Welcome to episode 16, everybody. Uh, if you haven't noticed by now, <laughs> two minutes into it, we didn't have any intro music. Um, and if you haven't guessed by now by the title of this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about the Las Vegas shooting. And uh, we actually got a guest on here who actually survived that incident. Um, he was actually in the crowd and he gives a story. And usually I like to have, you know, like a funny song to start off this podcast. And I just feel like it would be a disservice to the 58 or 59 now, people that have already died, yeah. um, by putting that on. And I didn't want to put anything too depressing on at the beginning because it's just nothing really fit. So I just figured, you know, we just kind of do the introduction because um, this is a pretty heavy podcast it's a very deep um i think i almost cried yeah during the recording of this podcast like i at the minute we, we ended i was telling jacob like we can't have an intro music like this just needs to be let's just tell the story in its raw form like here it is because the interview is pretty fucking deep and like mm-hmm. if we add anything if we add like an intro song or if we do like opening jokes or we're like hope you already laugh your dicks off like it wasn't gonna work out so it was no. just gonna be like we just needed to do like straight up yeah and i kind of sat on this podcast too for a couple of days because uh, first of all i kind of messed it up um by saving it my computer wanted to update immediately after we got done recording it and when i was saving it um, my computer did a restart so if you hear some funny glitches like you know in audio levels or whatever um that's my fault um but i tried my best to salvage it because this story is really good um jesus fuentes i've known him for about six or seven years i want to say maybe even longer um i met him you know during my party boy <laughs> time period and um i've always known him to be a very uh very straightforward very honest person and um, tough a t- tough person too you know so it's just like to hear him give this story and hear his voice crack a little bit it kind of sent those emotions with me because i you know i'm not a crier but when I hear another man cry, like kind of like Alfred, like in the last Batman movie, you know, like when I see that, like that's what gets me emotionally. And to hear, you know, him, you know, who I consider, you know, he's, he's a tough guy. He's a big MMA fan, as you'll hear later on in the podcast. To hear him, you know, just go through those emotions that he went through, it, it, it really touched me. Yeah, definitely. It was a really emotional recording. It was the first time I'd ever met him. Um, and to be honest with you guys, I thought it was going to be a lot of things that I already knew from from all the news reports but when you hear it we hear firsthand accounts of what was going on you can't help but to put yourself in those scenarios yes so honestly like you know i i'll never do it justice we'll never do it justice when you guys listen to this and i hope you guys listen to the entirety of the whole interview yeah Uh, it's pretty deep it's pretty intense so no i don't want to say enjoy because it's not the most enjoyable thing but it's definitely a really good listen and I think, too, it puts to rest a lot of conspiracies that are running around. Um, this guy, you know, he was with a battlefield Marine. And, um, he, you know, he lays everything down. He puts a lot of things to rest, you know. Because I feel like he was, him and his friend were the two comms in this storm. And I hope you guys take that away from it as well. But, um, oh, man. I don't know. Is there anything else to say on this? Just uh, a big thank you to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's about it, man. I hope he's doing well. I hope everyone in that story, that I hope they're all doing better than mm-hmm. they were a week ago. Yeah. Um, that's about it. That's all I got to say. All right, everybody. So, enjoy. So, that that was, I was there for the bachelor party, and that was fun. Like, we, we had a lot of fun. We were 
day drinking from like 11 in the morning almost every day. That's Vegas. Uh, I usually don't like to. I, I mean, I know Vegas rules don't like, drinking rules don't apply in Vegas, but like I'd like to at least get some food in me. Yeah. But uh, in, in Vegas mode, I only eat once a day. So yeah. I wake up and I'll, I'll carb up. I'll have some pancakes. <laughs> just heavy carbs, heavy carbs. It's like you're training. Oh, I'm training. And then you know, it's at least yeah, at least a couple of bottles of water, and then I'm like back at it. You know, someone hands me a beer. It's ten thirty. Why not? Fucking go, 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 go. There it goes. Because it's not yeah. One of the snaps I saw is like some random person like gave you a fucking tall can or something. That was right. That was right before the shooting. Oh wow! Wow! That was right before the shooting. That was literally ten minutes. Ten, eight to ten minutes before the shooting. Wow. That's so crazy. And it was so crazy because I was with my friends and I we had just got I had just got the other I had, I had two. So I already had one in my hand. <laughs> I had a fresh Bud Light tall can. And we're standing there and this we're like, okay, this is where we're gonna wa- probably watch the whole show. I might jump in there a little bit. And so I have this full talk and I'm standing there and this woman walks up to her friend who's standing right next to me and she just gives her the nod like uh uh-uh, uh I'm done. And so she turns yeah. to me. And I told and she just says, hey, do you want a butt free butt? Like it was Christmas morning. Because <laughs> I was like, are you, are you being serious? Like, I can have it? All for me? And she was like, yeah. And then just walked away. And I, so I, I sat down and I had two beers and we we're, and were having conversations. And literally like 10 minutes later, I heard the first shot. Uh, and I heard the first shot before everyone else did. Like, Jason Aldean didn't react. Wow. At all. Because it wasn't a lot. It was three or four from a handgun. Wow. And then a quick five to seven burst of an automatic weapon. Wow. And I heard that and I snapped and I looked right at my buddy Mark. And I'm not going to give you guys his full name, but he's a Marine. So I don't know what he can and can't talk about. So that's why I won't give you guys his full name. But yeah, he's a yeah. Marine. And so I looked to him as confirmation. like, was that, that's what I thought. Well, there's no smoke. He's like, yeah, there's no smoke. So it could have been. So now we have, we literally have a debate on whether that was a gun or not. Yeah. And so that debate goes on for about 20 seconds. And that, in that 20 seconds, we're debating, and I'm sure as shit that that was a gun. And they're on the fence. And we're all just like, well, it was far away. So, you know, it could have been an altercation between a cop and, yeah. you know, and, and, because that has happened when yeah, I've been in Vegas. Yeah. The cop, I mean, you hear two separate guns. So you hear a handgun. Maybe the guy pulled a gun on a cop, gets a couple of shots off before the cop puts his ass down. So we're literally talking scenarios. And we're like, yeah, that could. I'm like, okay, I can see where that's, that's, that might have happened. That, that might have be the situation. And then as we're talking whether or not it's a gun, we hear automatic weapon, automatic rifle. And no one knows that that's a gun because you can't hear it over the music really. We could hear it over the music and it did sound far. And so that was, if I remember correctly, that was a probably a good 30-round burst. Wow. And Aldean did not react until right in the middle of it. So Aldean is still singing, playing his music. And when he realizes that it's a fire, that it's a gunfire, he drops his guitar and runs off the stage. Now, when he runs off the stage, the music cuts out. And it is clear as day that we are being shot at. That it is an automatic we- weapon, and it is a lot oh, closer. Shit. No. So I was just like, thought, all right, well, because the music's cut out. For whatever reason, because I'm lazy as hell. So the music, and where's it coming from? Because I'm thinking it's it's in the event. I'm thinking it's inside. I, I see people falling, and I think they're trampling each other, but that wasn't actually the case. Oh, wow. 
that was them being hit. Wow. And so I'm I'm looking for muzzle flare. I'm looking for the gun. Like, where's the gun? Where is he at? So I know where to fucking run. Like, yeah, don't run into it. Yeah. To, and then it stops. And we're like, what do we do? And I, I look at my friend Mark, and he's just like, where's it coming from? We're looking. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And then it starts again. So we get back down again. And now, I think at this point in time, he's hitting the stage. And the stage at the angle that we were at, it's actually ricocheting off the stage and just skimming over our heads. We were hearing it. I didn't know this oh, at the time. Fuck. I heard it. I didn't identify it. Mark told me later what that noise was. Is It was just buzzing right over us. And he said he could tell because it's not as fast as regular fire. Yeah. And he could tell that it wasn't room being shot at because he said he could tell the difference between at you and away from you. And he said at you, it's a higher pop. And away from you, it's a deeper thud. And so he said at the time, well, he, I mean, he's pretty sure that we weren't being shot at, but we were catching the ricochets. And there was a gentleman probably 15 feet to my, like, off to my left. He's crouched down just on, like, one knee. We're, like, almost on the ground covering up each other. All sprawled, Because Because there was, it was two couples and me. So we're covering up the girls. That's what we automatically, as the men, started covering up the girls. And so we're still peeking, like, where is it coming? Same thing. And then it looks like an invisible person bumped into his shoulder. Of alcohol. He bumped into his shoulder hard. Then just bumped into him. And he looks down at it, and he puts his hand on it, and he pulls his hand away, and he immediately realized that he got shot. Oh, my God. And he just took off running, like, full sprint from there towards the uh, main entrance, which was, um, turns away, it's away from the stage. So that was the right direction to run, but we didn't know at the time. Yeah, we, you don't know. We didn't know. So as soon as that burst was done, I got up and everyone's running towards the main entrance. And I look at Mark thinking, okay, that's where we're going. And he says, absolutely not. Do not go where everyone else is going. And I'm like, okay. He's, he said that because that could have been a trap. Yeah. I didn't think that. I did not think that at all. I'm ready to sprint. And he says, no, we're not going where everyone else is going. And I'm like, where do we go? And he's still assessing everything. So he sees um, he sees carts to the left because there's vendors to the left against against the uh, parking lot which was on the other side of the Mandalay Bay against the parking lot for the event. There's carts right there, you know, food vendors, what have you. Okay. He goes right there. There's a spot like in between where the employees went. We're going right there. So we go right there. We get behind the carts, and then he lays another burst down, and we we think we're safe, but again we start hearing those ricochets. So he's like, we got to move more. So we go past that. And it looked like a makeshift break area for employees. Yeah. There was fences around. We get in there. The employees let us in. The employees are just, come on, yeah, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And they're, at the same time, they're also asking us, what's happening? What's happening? And all we're saying is active shooter, active shooter. We don't know. We don't know. So we get into that area, and then people are climbing over the fence. So I stopped to just yanking people over the fence. Yeah. It's guys throwing their wives over, and then they're trying to go over and these are some big guys. Yeah. Big guys. Some bubbles. And some bubbles and some boots and some tight jeans. Ooh. So they're not in the they're not in the right outfit to be hitting fences. Like, I don't think I can afford So I'm just yanking them like, like, come on, get over here, like get over here. And we we I, I just I don't one put out for same one on oh, just a purple one. So it stands out, which is not what I'm trying to do. But, but it was solid. It was probably twenty feet by twenty feet by twelve feet high. Yeah. And so we're we're okay, we're standing here. This is where we're gonna where we're gonna be at. So we're telling people, come on, if you want to. And now there's a group of people with us, people that we don't know. They're just following us. And we're stopping, and we're, we're getting against the wall, and we're telling them, 
this is where I think we're safe. I think we're safe. And they're like, how do you know? We don't know. Just calm down. Like, and there's hysterical women. I remember um, Tiffany was helping a woman calm down. I was helping a guy calm his wife down. I was telling her to take deep breaths, deep breaths. And she's freaking out. I'm like, you got to calm down. We got to calm down. We're going to make bad decisions if we're, if we're hysterical. We need to make good decisions. Yeah. So we need to calm down. I'm, I'm breathing with her. I put her hand on my chest and I said, breathe with me. And I took three deep, deep breaths so she can breathe with me so she can calm down. And then, so we're still there. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. And at one point in time, Mark says, it sounds like return fire. Because you could distinctly tell the guns weren't the same guns. No. So we're like, it's either two shooters or it's return fire. Because the guns didn't sound the same every time. It sounded different. So one were faster, one were, some were louder. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot to try to process. We couldn't process it. We were trying our best to try to process what was going on. And, and we just, at one point in time, he, he dropped about 200 rounds consecutively. I don't know if he had like a specialty clip or something of the, of, at that point in time that I heard. And I looked at Mark and I was scared because I realized that I had no fucking idea what was happening. We thought we knew, we were speculating. We didn't have no fucking clue. But that long fucking burst scared the shit out of me. And he looks at, I look right at him and he's like, we're moving, we're moving. So now we move again further away from the stage and we get to the main entrance of the parking lot. And that's where everyone is being escorted to that have been hit. They're being dragged. They're being carried. Um, and so we're running, not like fast. We're, we're jogging because we don't want to fall. We don't want to panic. We don't want to knock anyone over. And then there is this girl in front of me, a little petite, probably in her 20s girl with a, a crop top on. And she's running and out of nowhere she falls. And I interpret that as he's fucking shooting at us now. So I get down. Like he hit her. That's why she fell. So I got down. And Mark grabs me and says, no, get up. We're still moving. And so we get up and that girl ends up on her back. And people were helping her. And I'm like, okay, she's being helped. Let's keep moving. Every time I saw someone hurt, people were helping them. It was. Did she get shot? She got shot in the stomach. She had a hole in her stomach. I didn't wow. realize that. She, so she was shot and she was running while she was shot already. And then she just, she couldn't run anymore. Yeah. So she fell. And I, I literally just thought she got shot. The way it looked that she fell looked like, looked like she, she got hit. Like, like the, a bullet directly hit her and she hit the ground. Wow. And so I hit the ground thinking, oh my God, he's shooting at us now. Someone's shooting at us. I don't. And he, Mark knew what it was because I guess he had noticed that she was already shot. So he grabs me and says, no, we're, we're moving, we're moving. And I go, okay. And I stand over for a second, about to help her, and three or four people jump, ready to help her, and I'm like, okay. So I keep moving, and then I see another guy, and he has a hole in his shoulder, and he's crouching it, like he's leaning on an SUV. And so I wanna help him, and before I can help him, someone else is already helping him. So everyone, everyone was helping someone. Everyone that needed help was helped. I, never, I didn't see one single person who was hurt who wasn't being helped. So we're in the parking lot, and this is the, part, the parking lot where civilian stops no ambulances, people in their own cars, a fucking Chrysler Pacifica, loading up people, a fucking Camry, opening up doors, loading the injured and taking them off to the hospital. Um, and and so you just it's just probably, I probably saw a dozen people get loaded up before we just kept moving. And so now we're going, again, we're, we're just going away from the sounds as far as possible. And then we get to the Hooters we get inside the Hooters and he, and he unloads another huge burst. Oh, and man. we're just like, okay, get in. And the Hooters, 
the employees of the Hooters staff, God bless them, they opened up any door they could. This was like the back employee entrance, and they're waving us in, come in, come in, come in. And by the time I get in there, there's already a lot of people in there, and they're like giving them waters, and people are shaking. Or, or, you know, they're That's a to long distance, too, because I was looking inside the back door of the Hooters, and Mark just didn't want to stop. So we're moving, we're moving. So we get it through the hotel, we get into the, into the lobby, we get out of the hotel, we're on the other side of Hooters now. And then, okay, we haven't had heard shots for a while, so we're like, I think we're good. So I immediately call my coworker, Samantha, and she was in the crowd. I was to the back left of the crowd because I got tired of standing. So I was just, I went and sat down, and I was going to go back in the crowd later on into Aldine's set. I had already planned it. I had specifically planned for a song that I wanted to hear that I wanted to get on the snap. Like, I was like, okay, when Aldine plays coming in hot i'm gonna go in the crowd i even told them i said hey if you guys hear coming in hot let me know i gotta go get a snap and they're like okay yeah so we, we're, we're just conversating and listening to music but samantha my co-worker and her little sister were in the crowd pretty close to the stage they were to the the left side of the stage and from what i saw he did most of his work to the right of the stage because that would be the closest side to him to the mandalay bay. To, the, to the mandalay bay so that's so and thank god that she, and as soon as the gunfire stopped she got up and ran, and she took her sister with her, and and she hit a she hit a I think she hit the uh, the rail that separates the stage from the people. She got over that. She got behind some carts. Behind those carts was the actual fence to the to the event. The fence of the event was about fifteen feet high, wow. and it was a solid. It's a portable one. It looks like the portable ones you see all the time, but it was bigger. Yeah, it was about fifteen feet. And so what she told me is they helped her get over that, and they got over that. And they ended up on the back side of the stage in some gated apartments and the people there were, were taking people in and that's where she stayed out for the night so when we got to the other side of the hooters and we felt safe i called her and she didn't answer i called her three or four times wow. and she answered but she answered on accident and she's talking to someone but she's not hysterical she's not screaming but she's talking to them is it safe to stay here can we stay here and they're answering her and it's about a five second conversation and then the phone hangs up and i want to call her back and mark says did you hear her voice says, yeah i heard her voice okay is she okay i think she's okay all right let's keep moving so we're we're outside the hooters it's been a, a good period of time without fire so i our friends are accounted for that group we're friends with samantha and her sister are accounted for so i'm like okay i'm gonna post on facebook to let everyone know and he goes i'm gonna do the same thing so we post on Facebook. Literally after I posted, I hear the last shot. Oh shit! The last shot. It was a burst, and then a handgun. The and you, burst. How far away would you say that you were from the Mandalay Bay at that point? I was on the other side of Hooters, so that would have been probably a good eight hundred yards. Yeah, when you do the math, yeah, because there's the the we're, now, we're, what's on the, what's in between Hooters is, is uh, Chop County, right? Yeah. Yeah, so and like a little like a little section yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, so it's Hooters. We're on the other side of Hooters, Tropicana, the corner, and then Mandalay Bay is still another probably three hundred yards from there. Because yes, the Mandalay Bay, the actual Las Vegas Boulevard, that little stage area, which is by that like dirt lot kind of right mm -hmm. where those where two the NPM is. Yeah, 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 and then the Mandalay Bay. Yeah, so that's a pretty good distance away yeah. that you guys ran. Well. The shot, the sound of the shot, because I was listening, I was trying to, I was trying to figure it out. I don't know why I was trying to figure it out to assess the situation. 
So I was listening to every time he, he, he shot, I was listening to see if it got closer. Yeah. Okay. And I was listening to see if there was more than one shots being fired at the same time from two separate guns. And it was it was so many rounds that I, I couldn't tell if it was more than one person. Which is I one was, of my questions, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't tell. I, at the time, did think it was multiple shooters. Just because of the amount of, of rounds. Just sheer full automatic blast followed by more automatic blast, followed by more automatic blast, but never at the same time. Oh, okay. Never at the same time. But the the rate in which he switched guns made me think it was two people. Okay. Because he shot from an AR, and it's not as loud as, say, an SKS. Yeah. So he shot from the AR, emptied it, and immediately started shooting from another gun, which was louder, but at a slower rate. And then immediately finished that one, and then fired from an even faster gun. And it was so quick, like he, he uh, at the time, I didn't know what you were asking. Yeah, this, this, is a, this is all like a blind date. It has to be that. I couldn't fathom that it's, it has it has clips everywhere, everything ready for reload. Because your mind probably went where my mind would have gone, because like I said, we're both East Siders. We hear, I heard gunshots the night before here, yeah. you know, at Seaman Park. And we, we know what that is, and we just think it's just some foolishness going on. Yeah. And, you know, the one of the, my last trips I went to Vegas, you know, the same thing. Some quote-unquote rapper got into it with somebody on the strip, and they shot at each other. And that's what you were probably thinking at the time, too. It wasn't this big, elaborate fucking at, massacre. At first, right? I, I was thinking that, but I kept on hearing the shooting, and Mark threw the word return fire out there. And I'm like, okay, that could be return fire. Cause, yeah. But, again, I never once heard two guns being shot at the same time. Okay. I just heard gun, gun, gun. Like, he was unbelievably quick at finishing one gun and starting the next gun okay unbelievably quick a matter of two seconds wow and so if you think about it i'm already i'm still hearing the echo and he's already on the next oh, gun okay yeah. so it sounds consistent but it never sounded multiple but it was multiple guns so i can tell the difference between the guns okay so in my head i'm like multiple shoots but it never got close i was listening is it getting closer it's getting closer. We have to fucking move. Yeah. But it never got closer. And speaking of the multi-shooter theory, I will not say without a shadow of a doubt that there wasn't two shooters. Just I, in your opinion. But I will say that there wasn't one on the fucking property. Okay. I can say that with 100% confidence. There was not a shooter at the fucking festival because the sound never got closer. Okay. It never... What I was hearing was from across the street... If someone was in the festival, I would hear that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would hear that. And so I'm seeing these fucking videos on YouTube, and it's a, it, it's a police officer dropping a flashlight because he's getting shot at, and it looks like muzzle flare. And it's so stupid because in the video, you hear the gun from the same distance the whole time. If someone shot a gun right next to you while you're videotaping on your fucking phone, it would distort the sound so bad you wouldn't hear anything else. So that theory that people are throwing out there is so... The government had guys in the crowd shooting people. Absolutely fucking not. No. Okay. There was no... There's no way that the sounds of the shot ever got closer than they were the whole time. You know, as you were saying the whole thing about the like the ricochet fire when they were hitting the stage and you heard it like slightly different, because you said you were, your friend was a Marine. So he's he a knew... Marine. He's a Marine. He's a Marine. He, so right away, he knew what was going on. He was way more alert than he anyone else. He assessed everything faster than I ever could. Yeah, and I feel like the average Joe, you know, someone that's not around guns all the time, doesn't really know what return fire is. It doesn't really go everywhere. Like, that whole... Yeah. I, would, I would be surprised if, you know, 
someone says it, two people think it, two people say it, they hear other people saying it, all of a sudden, you know, the yeah. telephone game starts going on, and yeah. now we have a conspiracy theory. Plus, yeah. you have adrenaline going, and you, when you're in a life and death situation like that, I can only imagine where you even said you didn't know what was going on. You have you probably have people that are going hysterical, hysterical, and hysteria everywhere. Exactly, and then your mind is going to play, you know, play the. You're going to think that because that we because one of the reports I was reading when as it was happening is they're like it's we're getting reports all the way up into the aria, yeah. and I'm I'm thinking in my mind because we went to the aria my last trip from the Mandalay Bay, walked it. That's a good 20, 25 minute walk, yeah. and running though, yeah. of course. I, I can see how that could they could well, think and that. And you also have to remember, it, the sound's bouncing off. The exactly. These, yeah. these casinos have glass walls that are shatterproof, and it's going to bounce. That, yeah. it, it, skyscrapers. It, it, skyscrapers, and the sound bounces, and it reverberates, and it gets to different places, and it sounds different. Where we were at, it sounded loud because it was bouncing off the stage. The sound was also bouncing off the stage. And... and uh, yeah, I just I, I, I get frustrated. I on Tuesday I, I jumped on Facebook and called a couple of people idiots. Thank you <laughs> for the theories. And then I just realized this isn't going anywhere. Just stop. Just it's it's not yeah. it's not gonna work out. So just stop. But it 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 was there wasn't anyone in the crowd shooting that that I can just completely nix because I would have known. I am a borderline gun avid, so I I go shooting. I sh- so I was able to tell the gunfire. I can tell the difference of the rate of speed of the gun because I shoot different guns. So me knowing what I know about guns and then me having an expert, I mean, pretty much you can call the Battlefield guy. expert. He's yeah. a battlefield expert. He, he's tours. I don't know how many. I'm not going to speculate either. Yeah. He, he, is, he was the right person to have by my side throughout the entire experience because he was calm. I mean, well, I mean, he... Pres- he was perceived to be calm. He probably wasn't. <laughs> but he seemed calm. And, yeah. he, and it helped me try to stay calm. And then we were trying to help other people to stay calm just for the simple fact that we just didn't want to make bad decisions. We didn't. We, we had decisions to make whether to stay. We thought we were safe where we were at behind that cinder block or behind that concrete wall. That felt safe for a long time. We were there for probably five minutes. And then when he realized it was, it just scared the shit out of me because it just threw everything out of the window. I, I thought it was multiple shooters. I thought they were. I, I thought they were across the street. They weren't in the crowd. I didn't see a muzzle flare, so they weren't in the crowd. Maybe they're flanking us. Could we be getting flanked? Can we we should stay here. And then he he unloads that, and I realize, what the fuck is going? Scared the shit out of me. That I already was confused about the whole matter, and then I knew nothing. I everything I thought I knew went out the window when he just unloaded the longest. The longest automatic shot I've ever heard in my life, including on TV and on videos. It was just so long of just a, a just a consistent spray, and I had no idea what he was shooting, who was shooting, what's happening. That's for damn sure not police return fire. No. Uh, so there goes that theory out the fucking window. And even if it was, if they if there was originally return fire, those poor cops are outgunned. Everything just went out the window, and I think Mark could see it on my face that that scared the shit out of me. Because at that point, to that point in time, I did my best to try to remain calm, and that scared the shit out of me. And I think he saw it on my face, and then he said, "Let's go, we're moving." And okay, we're moving. And then that's when we went to the parking lot. We saw what we saw as far as the injured people. We saw people helping people. Um, I, I feel like you know the casualty 
the casualty count would have been so much higher if so many people weren't helping each other. Everyone was helping each other. People were falling, were helping them up. Um, people that were hurt on the ground, there's three or four people around them helping provide emergency aid, whatever the case was. There was no one left unaccounted for. Everyone was doing their, their part, what they could to help each other. Some of the best parts of humanity came out. They, they, they really were. That count, the, the casualty count, could have been so much higher, but there were so many people just doing what they could to help each other. And uh, I, I, I hope that doesn't go under the radar. You're hearing all these stories, and they're, they're amazing, and there's, there's probably hundreds of stories. I remember just going through my uh, of Snapchat. Just doing, yeah. I have no idea who they are, but, uh, but you know you need to help them because they need help, and, and you're, you're able to help. So that, that was that. We get to the other side of the Hooters. And when you hear a small burst from the automatic and then a handgun. And, it, and again, we didn't know what that was at the time. Retrospect, that's when he shot the all sudden clock. That calls. So we were in bars. Yeah. Or what did we just do? Ran all the time because from where they were at, they couldn't hear what was happening. And we were probably one of the first people in the MGM ground because we made a beeline. Yeah. And we get to the New York, New York, same thing. So when I'm walking across the, across the bridge from the MGM ground, New York, New York. That's wow. when I snapped that picture that you saw in my story where it says, we're all okay, guys. And we get into New York, New York. We, I remember walking by Coyote Ugly and they are just fucking having a ball. Wow. They're having a ball. They are oblivious to what happened to them within a half mile. Less than that. Less a quarter were mile. You, were you guys informing like their the hotel no, security? No, absolutely or not. We were, Mark had a room. So we get to the, uh, we get to the, uh, we get to the Monte Carlo and turn on the TV immediately, put on local news, and there's reports of multiple shooters in other locations. Again, I think that's the reverberation of the echoes and, and people not knowing what a gun sounds like or what it, you know. So there's re multiple reports of shooters at the Excalibur, shooters at the MGM Grand. And so we were just like, okay, no one's leaving this room until, it's, until we get an all clear. We got it all clear shortly after we got to the room that the, there was one confirmed shooter down. They're still looking for a second suspect. There was no second suspect, at least that not that we know of. But uh, yeah, we get to the room and we just start watching the news. And, and at that point in time is when I realized what we just went through. Because I wasn't thinking, I was just moving. Everything survival. Moving. Survival, survival. So I sit down and Mark hands me a beer. And we just didn't realize how huge it was. We saw people get hit and we saw injured people. And we get to the room, and the news is, is speculating at this point in time as, as far as how many people are hurt. 40 plus people are hurt, two confirmed dead at wow. that point in time. Yeah, I'm, oh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. And, and, and we're thinking, okay, this was, this was pretty bad. You know, was, we, saw, we, saw, we saw some bad things. And then the next, the next morning when they started, the number just kept growing, and we're just like, we, we, we were part of the most fucked up shit that's probably ever happened. Ever in this country. Yeah. And, and, and sitting in the room, and Mark, when we were in the MGM Grand, uh, we stopped so people could go bathroom. And I, I asked Mark, I said, when does my heart rate go back down to normal? Because it was over 100 the whole time. It, oh, it, never, it never, I mean, and we, we stopped, we had already long stopped running. We were walking at this point in time. And, and I, I looked at Mark and I said, when does it slow down? When, when do I get at least a semi-normal heart rate? And he goes, don't worry, I'll go down, buddy. I said, okay. And then we get to the room, and um, I think Tiffany went to the bathroom. 
So it's just me and Mark at the table, and he's like, "How's the old ticker?" And I was like, "It's it still hasn't. It's it's nowhere near where it should be." And he goes, "We'll go down. Just just keep breathing." And, and we just kind of start reflecting. And you know what we talked about. I, I won't say about that. You know, we won't talk about that. What me and him talked about because I feel like what we talked about really helped me uh-huh. to cope with what. I mean, because at the we're sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, it's sinking in of what I saw. Because at the time, I didn't realize I saw so many people get hit. I thought they were falling. I thought people were stamping, falling over the farthest fence. I'm looking, and I'm seeing a row of people fall like dominoes. And I think I'm thinking that they're trampling each other, but they weren't. I'm sitting at the table realizing what I saw wasn't what I thought I saw. It, it was his his line of shot shots. It literally looked like you could see a group of people standing, and you could see a group of in the middle, like a line, like a dominoes, dominoes, just dominoes. And, and I didn't at the time. I, I thought it was people falling, and I saw other people falling, and I thought they were falling, falling, and they weren't. They were they were being shot. And I'm sitting in the room, and it kind of just all set in that that this was this was worse than what I thought it was at the time. Yeah. At the time, I mean, I thought it was active shooter, an active shooter. That uh, that you know you just got to get away from you got to you got to keep moving get get away from the active shooter help as many people tell as many people that there's active shooter um, confusion there was a lot of confusion with the hysteria people weren't sure what was happening we were throwing the word active shooter around as much as we could to let people know that it's it, it is yeah. that is gunshot what you hear and to keep moving but it wasn't until we got to the suite and we sat down and and I reflected that what I saw was a lot worse than what I realized I was seeing at the time. It was, yeah, so that, that was when it hit me, is when we were back in the room. And then the next morning when they, when they start talking about numbers, and, and I'm just like, wow, that was a lot worse than I even thought about then at the table. It was worse than that. It just kept compounding about how terrible it was. I thought it was bad. And then it, and then I realized it was even worse. And then I realized it was even worse than that. And so I woke up, I slept maybe an hour on and off wow. that night because I got back to my room at one in the morning, and I turned the TV on. And then after a while, I just turned it off and I tried to sleep, but I, I didn't really sleep. So by six o'clock, I was up. I turned the TV back on, and then by then, my phone was absolutely ringing off the hook. Everyone's calling me, texting me, writing on my Facebook post. I'm trying to reply to all those, as many people as I can to let them know that Erica called me back. And she said, we're at an apartment. She told me everything. I said, okay, stay there. In 30 minutes, call me again. Check with me in 30 minutes. We get back to the hotel. She calls me again, and she's like, they're not going to let us go. I was like, okay, you're going to stay there. She checked out Sunday. They're going to make a stay here. We're, we're on lockdown. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to the room. And when they let you out, call me. I'll tell you where my room is, and you guys can stay the night at my room and get some sleep. And she goes, we're probably going to be here all night. They already told us. And I said, okay, well, just let me know when, they, when, you're, when you're out of lockdown. And she goes, we'll probably just go back to the room and, and shower at your room and then go back home. And I'm like, okay. So um, 6 o'clock comes around, and, and I'm just texting people, texting back. I text her, and she said, she said they're under lockdown. Their, their lockdown's over, so they're going to get back to the car. And then they're gonna come to our room. And then that was the first time I saw her when she came to the room since the that since it happened. And she was showing me that her knees were, were scraped up. Oh wow. Because um, they were running and someone bumped them and they fell. They but they got right back up and just kept going. Yeah. But uh, she she she's not doing well. 
she's she's not handling it well. She's she feels pretty guilty. Um, her instinct was to protect her little sister. So after she got down, and then as soon as the shooting was up, she grabbed her sister and she ran. And she she said she feels bad because some people behind beside her got hit and she didn't help them. And, and she said you know her priority was to make sure her little sister got out of it. And, She's, she's not doing good. She's, she's seeking counseling. Um, I decided to seek counseling today, finally, because I just can't sleep. I'm not sleeping good. I'm just surviving off of caffeine. Yeah. Um, I'm spacing out. Uh, I, I'm being irritable, probably because of the lack of sleep. I hope it's because of the lack of sleep or I'm irritable. But uh, the appetite barely came back today. So uh, Today is uh, when? Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, this happened Sunday. Yeah, my appetite barely came back today. And I thought I was doing pretty good. I, I thought I was. And then the first night I barely slept. Uh, the second night I slept a little better, but not much. And it's pretty much been that amount, like maybe two hours a night. Um, oh, I'm on a timeline. I'm done with that. I'm pretty well. I had a nightmare last night, too. Eric and her like Korea. Like, uh, like, he was telling me he was... <laughs> Pause the podcast. I, I fucked up. I didn't have the microphone plugged in. Um, I apologize if the sound quality is not as good, but um, you said earlier that you still haven't told your mom about this. Yeah, I... Uh, she didn't know you went to that concert. No, I, I do a lot of things, so, you know, my mom has always kind of known that I'll always do my own thing and that I'll always be okay. She's always kind of just gave... She's given me a very long leash as far as anything. Um, so, I... I I've, I frequently go on trips, as you know. Oh, yeah. And I don't really check in with her because, you know, it's just, I'm an adult. I don't really feel if I have to. I love my mom. We talk. And she I know she cares about me, but... Um, she knows you can take care of yourself. She knows I can take care of myself. That's pretty much it. So, no one in my family knew. Wow. I was there. Because I don't, you know, tell them. Like, oh, hey, guess I'm going to do this. Every now and then, I'll, I'll tell my little sister... I'll tell her, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like when we went to a couple of weeks ago, I went to, or a couple months ago, I saw Jekyll. I told her, hey, I'm gonna go see Jekyll. She goes, oh, you're so lucky. We talked about that. <laughs> uh, she doesn't like country, so I didn't call her and say, yeah. hey, guess what? I'm gonna go do this super dope three day country festival. I didn't tell she her. She said the same thing I said. What's your big brown ass doing yeah. over there? <laughs> so I didn't tell anyone in my family. All my friends knew. All my coworkers knew yeah. that I was going. So that's why I felt like it was important to check in immediately. Because the last thing I want anyone to do is just automatically go to the worst, and they they all did, even after the check-in. My uh, one of my bosses, um, she said she was like putting her son to sleep, and she saw my post, and all she she was like, "That's weird," and then she went to sleep. Wow. She didn't know what the post was about, and then so she says she woke up the next morning, uh, like early, like at five something, and she turned the TV on, and she realized what happened, and instantly clicked why I checked in some random check-in that says we are all safe so face i did that before facebook even had an option to check in to see you're safe i did that immediately and then maybe two hours maybe an hour later facebook asked me if i wanted to check in safe and i was like oh yeah of course um not knowing if anyone saw the first post and then um when we got to the room i shot a couple of texts to people that are really close to me just let them know when we were in the um when we were in the uh Hooters, I called all my friends that were there for the bachelor party. I called them and they didn't answer, they didn't answer. And then I, oh, and then wow. they're like, what happened? I, I just text back, active shooter, get somewhere safe. 
And then they called me back and they're like, "What? We're we're lock on lock on." I'm like, okay, just let me know you guys are good. Everyone else good? You guys checking everyone else? They're like, "Yeah." My poor roommate Petey, he was in an Uber going back to the Excalibur because that's where the bachelor group was. Wow. They were all sitting at the Excalibur. So he's in an Uber. His he his phone was gonna die. So his phone was at like four percent. He orders the Uber. It gets to the Excalibur. Before it gets to the Excalibur, his phone dies. The Uber driver, they start pulling, people are trying to get in. The Uber driver's like, what's going on? What's going on? People are telling her to shoot her. And she's just like, okay, you got to get out. He says, she says, you got to get out. And he goes, I can't get out. My phone is dead. Yeah. She, she goes, well, I don't know what to do. And, she, and he's saying, I, I can't get out. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. I can't get out. They're both behind valleys. And um, so we're there. Or he gets back to the room, charges his room, and then he texts me that he's back in the room, or he's in the room. So, but before we get back to the Mandalay Bay, I already had checked in with everyone, and I know everyone's good. So the, I, I was a little relieved to that, and then like I said, we get to the room, and then everything kind of sets in. But uh, I didn't tell my, any of my siblings. I didn't tell my mom. Just, I just, it doesn't seem like I don't know. It's stuff I don't really tell them. Like, oh, hey, I'm gonna go do this. Or I'm gonna go do that, you know. I I don't really tell people a lot of like well, at least my family because I don't really, I don't know. I don't want them to think I'm like bragging or something like oh I'm gonna go be in Vegas for four days mm -hmm. in your face, you know. I don't I don't tell them, so I didn't tell them about that. When I would only like I said I tell my sister about things that she you know she would think it's cool and stuff like that. It's obviously new. My bosses were texting me. My some coworkers were texting me, messaging me on any form they they had me on. Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, it was, everything was, was being messaged, text messages, phone calls, FaceTimes. And so I work with this girl who goes to nursing school with my older sister. And it just so happens that Monday night she had class with me. So everyone at work knew that we were safe, that me and Samantha were there, that we were safe. So everyone knew we were there, you know, they were texting us or messaging us wherever they could. And then out of nowhere, Monday night, my sister texts me. I think I still, I'm pretty sure I still have it. I gotta remember exactly what she wrote. It turns out Caitlin Caesar, my coworker that goes to, goes to uh, nursing school with my sister. And she says, uh, she goes, aren't you glad your brother got out? And she was just like, he was there? I knew he was there. I knew he was there. And so then she texts me and says, glad you're okay. Caitlin just told me, super glad you're okay. I said, yeah. Um, and I just kind of explained to her what we did. And then she said, wow, we love you. And then, yeah, so she found out secondhand. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm pretty sure she told my mom and sisters, but I, I didn't tell them. Or maybe she didn't because my mom would have called me. So maybe she didn't tell them. But, yeah, I, I, there's no point now. <laughs> no, I stress her out. Yeah, I don't want her to worry. It's so. understandable. Dude, that was a pretty intense story, man. Like to be completely honest with you, like I keep putting myself in your shoes, and like I, I honestly like I can't even I can't even believe that that happened. Like that just happened. I, you know, me and I, I don't know how well you know Jacob, but you know we're both huge music fans. Yeah. I've been to two festivals alone this year. I'm still in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna go to another one in Sacramento. And um, when I heard that, like, the first thing I thought was, you know, as a music lover, 
I hate that. I hate the fact that that happened, you know, like, because everyone's there, everyone's united, everyone's there for, like, this beautiful thing, you know, like, everyone's trying to share these emotions. Someone came and, like, fucked it all up and, like, made it an ugly moment when really it's all these thousands of people united for one common love. And, for country like, music. Yeah, and, like, to me, like, so devastating. Me and him, we saw this band called Eagles of Death Metal. And I think it's been like two years now where they played in France, France. and then they had that shooting at their concert. Oh, it was at their concert. Yeah. And so when he, when we saw them in L.A., you know, he came out and he's like, "My mom's here." Uh, I mean, I can't I can't even imagine how you feel right now. But you know, all the best to you, man. I hope you know you saying that you were having trouble sleeping and all those things. Like, yeah. That's why I reached out to you, man. And it's like, I know I haven't like hung out with you in a while but it still it feels it feels like you're a friend you know you'll always be a friend and yeah. it, it it's the equivalent when i heard everything going on and i knew you were there i knew you that you were at the epicenter of there it was literally the equivalent of finding out my grandma had cancer for the final time that like that that feeling so just to let you know dude like you 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 have some people here that care and love yeah. about you you know and i <laughs> I'm so glad you're okay because it's just like I don't know how. I I feel I'm doing pretty good, relatively. I mean, as good as you can. Comparably, yeah. Com- but because I, I mean, we all saw terrible things over there. No matter if you got out, if you're in the front of the stage, if you're where we were at, you know, we all saw terrible things. But I I did my best to help people. I I got out safely. All my friends got out safely. Thank God. I, I did, I did, I did right. I did, I did what I, you know, what you, the most I could do. So you were the calm. It sounded like in no Mark was the calm, but you helped though. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, this is a story where you said you know you let some woman like breathe touch with your you. heart so you, yeah. she can calm down and things yeah. like that. You know, like that's you know that that takes well, a lot of bravery. I wasn't letting her touch like my heart because if she was feeling the heart, she would have. <laughs> if she knew what my heart was going through, I I just wanted her to feel my deep breath so yeah. she could breathe down. Yeah. And and I'm a I'm a big believer of of you know uh, of breathing exercises. So that's where I just went back to that. I I, I do breathing exercises for all sorts of things um, after workouts. Um, you know, if, if I'm having trouble sleeping in in general, breathing workouts, stuff like that. Um, Focusing, if I'm having a hard time focusing, I, you know, there's breathing exercises for that. So I was just trying to get her to calm down. She was hysterical. Her husband was doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was trying his best. And I was just trying to be the outside influence, trying something different. It, it worked. Um, there was other couples right there. Tiffany was, was doing a really good job calming them down. She was a, a rock star throughout the entire thing. Um, but Mark, yeah, man, thank God for Mark. If, I, I don't yeah. know what would have happened if I was Shout out to Mark. Mark, Mark, <laughs> man, I mean... I honestly couldn't have been with a better person. Um, I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, I guess. Like, right? Like, to, no, experience, to experience the worst fucking massacre in U.S. history. It sounds like you were blessed, dude, because uh, you were with probably. If you were there with me, dude, like, I'm not going to be able to do half of that, you yeah. know? As much as I want to act all big and bad, like, I'm not going to be able to tell you all that. I'm you not going to be able to. You would have hit a fence. The East Side of you would have came out and you would have hit a fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's really what it was. It was just my instinct to, to survive, and, and I knew to stay calm, as calm as one can. I wasn't calm, but I was pretending calm, I guess. My heart was beating probably 150 beats for a solid 30 minutes. 
That's a super stressful yeah. environment to be yeah, in. That was, cortisol level, I can't even imagine. Uh, and then, like, when we got back to the room, I was waiting for the adrenaline and dump, and it never came. It just never came. And that's another another thing I feel is just, like, my heart rate climbing for no reason and then going back down. Like, short little bursts where my heart rate just goes crazy for two, three minutes, and then just comes back down. And I'm sitting down at my fucking desk doing nothing. Yeah. Writing a note, and then all of a sudden I feel it, and I just sit there, and I'm just like, okay. And then I wait for it to go back down. All right, well, that's fucking another thing I gotta worry about but like I said all things considered I'm, I'm doing pretty good you know the lack of sleep I mean who can sleep well everyone I've talked to that was there with none of us can sleep good um, Mark and, and his fiance they were able to get uh, they saw a counselor already so they got something for the sleep um, Samantha is seeking counseling I don't know where she's at with that but she she's not doing good um, her little sister I'm really concerned about uh, How old is her little sister? Twenty-four, I think she was. Okay. But she's pretty sheltered, so that like that makes me nervous that someone sheltered went through that. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really worried about those two because they're just you know, and, and she she feels bad. She said she she doesn't want to seem like a baby or dramatic, and I'm like, you're not. Like everyone deals with it differently. Yeah. At, at the beginning of this week, I thought I was doing great, and then the sleep still hasn't came. I still haven't slept. And uh, the spacing out, the spacing out, I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'll be in the middle of doing something and then I'll space out and just think about situations that were happening at the time and, and trying to remember specific things and, and if, if something could have been done differently. And then I realize I've been staring into nothing for three to five minutes. And so I, I'm going to work. I've been to work ever since then. I, I went back to work Tuesday and I need to be distracted, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And uh, Mark convinced me to, to seek counseling myself. You know, he basically told me don't be too macho for it. So yeah. uh, I, I called the county because they're offering that, you know, just to see a counselor. And he said, you know, if anything, they'll give you something so you can get out of this house as far as to sleep. But I'm surviving off caffeine um, and support, caffeine and support. Yeah. That's pretty much what I'm surviving off of is all the support I got to work on. Tuesday and literally every one of my coworkers came up to me at one point in time and gave me a hug and told me they were, they were glad that I got out and that I made it out okay. And the best thing to do too is to get it out. Yeah. Because I've gone through two dark periods. When I first met you, I was going through maybe like a gray period. But then when I kind of disappeared for a while, uh, I was going through a really dark period. And if you're anything like me, like I keep a lot of stuff in. And that's the worst thing you can do that I've learned. And by getting it out, that's why I invited you on this podcast. Not only because I'm sure it would have been a great story, but I feel like getting it out, that's a part of the healing process. I agree. And they ask, that's why you know, my coworkers are asking me, and I tell them, like, I'll talk about it uh, until I'm blue in the face as, as long as it, you know, if it helps and me. When this happened, when this, if it yeah. helps me get over this, uh, you know, the spacing out. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I've had a ton of support. And like I said, that's pretty much what I'm surviving off of right now, support caffeine. <laughs> that's the base of this podcast, caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> we did talk about the podcast, but one of the things that like kind of started this podcast in a weird way was I was going through a lot of shit at one point where like you know, I had lost my dad from cancer. But, but yeah, cancer. it's the brace. I was just like, I just want to hang out more. I just want to talk. I just want to like do something. I just need to get out of that distraction. Kind of how this. Well, I just I was like listening to that other podcast. That's a local podcast, and I was like telling them like we could do that. I just want to talk. I just want to get things out there right now. And and now you mentioned that I'm like man, this has been like 
I thought I was going to have more questions, but right now I'm just, like, in shock, man. Like, that was such a, like, in powerful... Every word you were saying was just pretty powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just, uh... It's probably, like, this... The, I mean, I, I've gone over, like, cliff notes with people. It's probably the second time I went through the whole thing. The whole thing. Like, yeah. beginning to end, what we saw. But, I mean, we talked about it earlier. It's, 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 it's luck. It's as much luck as anything, because... Had Jason Aldean performed that song I was looking for sooner in the set, I would have been in the crowd. Had Fuckface, who I won't even say his name, waited later into the set, I would have been in the crowd. And I'm a big fucking target. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big I'm a wide back. And he, 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 I would have got clicked. But I, I would have done everything the same. I would have, I would have, waited until the, the, the pause and, and ran. But I also would have told as many people um, possible to run with me because I, I've watched some of the videos. It, it's, not as, it's not as nerve-wracking as I thought it would be to watch the videos. But I watched some of the videos and, and all I'm doing is yelling at the videos, yelling at these people to get up. Like, run, run, what are you doing? Don't stay down. He's not shooting anymore. Run, 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 run. And, and I, I, I almost wish I was in the crowd so I can rally as many people as I could to run. But they just didn't know what to do. They, they, they froze or they just didn't know. And I knew, I knew instinctually, whatever the fuck he's doing, run. And I wish I was in that, in that I wish I was close to the stage in the sense that I could just rally people to run. Tell every, yell at them, run, run. Especially since we didn't know where it was coming from. Like, no idea. When they said he was on the on the thirty second floor, I was like, never at the time did I guess that. No. That it was an elevated perch like that. It sounded like the parking lot across the street. Wow. Which was the Mandalay Bay parking lot. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, it had to have been a powerful ass gun too, because if you you see the video of when it starts and you know Jason Aldean, he's playing and concerts outside concerts especially are loud as hell. And for it to overshadow that, like, that tells you something right there. Yeah, so I, I haven't seen any, anything he's had to say. I'm, I'm curious to see if he knew or someone in his ear told him or if he saw. He would have the best view. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was curious. To, I, I'm curious to see what he has to say, but I, I haven't. Yeah. The last two days I've avoided um, any media coverage because I just I don't want to. I literally just on my way here saw that he canceled like his like next four or five upcoming shows and like I'm pretty sure it's pretty similar you know it's pretty intense traumatic events and I'm pretty sure like the last not you know music is kind of a healer but I, I think right now he's probably like, in the same boat as you are where he's well, I feel a little guilt that I could I could help more people if I was in the pit uh, in the crowd I probably would have been able to help more people and I got more people to move because I feel like that's what did the most damage is those people in that area that just didn't move. They didn't know to, or they froze, or whatever the, whatever happened. You can't feel bad, though. I mean, you did what you thought in the moment was right. Yeah, I did what I could. You were, you, from what you just said, too, like, where you helped that guy's wife, you know, like, you were meant to, if all things are happening for a reason, you were meant to help that specific person. Yeah. You know, you're only one person. You can only do so much, you yeah. know, and that that was your gift to her. So, I mean, that's something she'll never forget for the rest of her life. So, yeah. I wouldn't feel guilt. I would feel, I don't know what the word for it is, but not guilt would be one of the most I, you should feel. You you did 
everything you could do and more. I think on Tuesday at, at some point in time I told someone that I feel a little bit at peace because everyone I I went way there with came home. Yeah. And I and I I, I I thought I did everything I could. But like I said, I mean it's just unbelievable. When he was done, we had the option to get closer. We were pretty close already. Yeah. Or to go back and then eventually make our way back. And we there was seven of us. The three couples and myself. Samantha wasn't with us at the time. Or no, she moved up. So she was in front of us, but she already told me that she wasn't going to go back with us. So we're like, we're like, what do you guys want to do? Do you guys want to go back and, and sit down and have a beer? Do you guys want to stay here and save these spots? And I was on the fence. And David, one of the guys I was with us, he said, if we go back, I'm not coming back. If we go sit down, I'm not coming back because I'm, I'm tired. We're all tired. The weekend's got the best of us. We're, our legs are dead. We're running on fumes. We, and so I was just like, okay, well, I can see your point. And then Mark says, I'm with you. If, if we go if we go sit down, I'm not coming back. And I was like, all right, well, then let's all go. I mean, let's do it. So we all went and, uh, you know, went to the bathroom, got beers, and then went back and sat where we sat at. And where we sat at was the center, the center of the stage where it was all the people at. And then you had the big TVs, right, to the left and the right. We were parallel with the big TV, and we were probably like 120 feet back. So we were away from the crowd, but from the angle that he was shooting at, that's where we were catching all the ricochets. It's because it was hitting the stage and then bouncing towards us. And there was a lot of um, aluminum scaffolding and yeah. stuff like that all around the stage. So that was catching a lot of stuff. So you could hear it. Um, you yeah, could hear it hitting the stage, and it was a separate sound than the gun. And so there was a lot of sounds. When the music cut off, it was just confusion, and and like I said, we hit the ground quick. We we hit the ground because we we're in the in the midst of a debate on whether or not that was a gun, and the the uh, the second burst, you know, settled the debate. We we knew instinctually that it was a gun at that point in time, and we just got down, and and then we made a move. But yeah, I, I mean, I just really saying I knew what to do, but I I, I did. What I mean, reflectively, I did what I should have done. Yeah, is I should have waited until that's what you should do. But I didn't know. To, I mean, I just did it. It was instinct. But I really wish people would run through or would be more prepared for stuff like that. Like, well, I think when you're there in that moment, you don't think that's the last thing you think is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, if you're in the outskirts of Vegas, yeah, maybe that might happen. But you know, yeah. when you're on the strip, you know you feel like you're you're in Disneyland, basically, yeah. adult Disneyland. You know, yeah. you know, like it's the happiest place on earth. Nothing's gonna happen to you here. It 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 was so crazy to think that um, right before or I think that not the act before Aldine. The act before Aldine was was Jake Owen. The act before that was Big and Rich. Now those fucking guys know how to put on. Now just a giant man who sings, country, who sings country and raps country, and oh, wow. so when they brought him out, he wasn't part of the line. So I was elated, and it was crazy because at some point in time during their show, they got the crowd to sing the Star Spangled Banner. I saw that. I saw that. And we were all there singing it and. Having a toast to the veterans that he brought on, they brought on stage, and then within two hours, you know, we had a we had a, a what's it called a local terrorism? What, what is it called? A domestic, domestic terrorism. terrorism. We were we were under attack by a domestic terrorist. At, you know, two hours removed. Because you're like me, 
I look at you every time I see you. <laughs> You're in Vegas more than I am. And um, how, do, how does this affect any future trips to Vegas? Do you see yourself going back or... I'll probably be, go back, but as it stands right now, I don't want to fucking see that place. I don't want to see it. It's, you know, it's where the worst thing happened at, so, you know. I grew up in Bakersfield, and there's places around here that remind me of shitty-ass times. Yeah. You know, so I, I, you know, I'd avoid those places, too. Yeah. Uh, I hate that place. Like, I jumped there. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to go there anymore. Like, I jumped there. <laughs> oh, in front of Aaron's house. <laughs> I jumped that time. I got jumped in front of Aaron's house. Oh, fuck. I don't like driving around that area because it reminds you of that night. There's you a know? lot of good and bad memories around but, that place. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I, 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 I won't go there for a while, but I'll go back eventually. It's, it's um... I mean, it's like my, my home away from home. I'm very... As of right now, the only plan I have is to go to the beach next weekend with my boys and hopefully, you know, try not to think about this and, and hopefully that, that beach house that I like to go to with my friends, hopefully that will, um, you know, help me get over it. But it's just, you know, trying to trying to take it as a day at a time, I guess, is all yeah. I can really do. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, you know, like I said, I'm not doing as bad as others, so... I kind of feel like a little bitch complaining, but <laughs> no man, it's some serious shit, man. Yeah, I don't, definitely. I don't know how I'd be feeling if I was in your shoes. So you're, you're holding up better than I could say I probably would be. So. And then I'm scared to like self-medicate, you know? Yeah. Because uh, you know, I could fucking start start a wrong path. So that that was one of the things about that was one of the hesitancy about seeing a counselor is I don't want them to give me something that I become dependent on as far as sleep. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. That's another path I'll have to worry about later. But right now, I'm just you know doing what I can do, uh, trying to live a normal life. Normal as it's gonna get, right? Yeah. Well. I broke my bracelet. Damn it! Now I can't frame it. I broke the clip. <laughs> Still framing. Yeah. yeah. Finally. We'll get it done. I'm probably going to get a tattoo. I don't know. I saw Harvest S did uh, one of the ribbons. They did their own ribbon. So I might get that tattooed on me. I don't know. It's orange. I don't like orange. <laughs> just do black and white. <laughs> but it's, uh, I don't know. I just can't take this thing off. I can't. I would admit. And uh, someone noticed it the other day. And I'm, and I'm not wearing it for people to notice it. But someone noticed it the other day. They're like, where'd you get that? They thought it was like a memorial thing, you know. Like, it, I I did very little prep for this, but I was like, I, I did see that that dude had like, and I agree, I don't even want to say his name, but um, like he had also booked a, a hotel right where um, Lollapalooza is. Oh yeah, like a couple of months ago or something. We did the week before for yeah. um, Chance the Rapper at Life Is Beautiful. Yeah, oh, man, what a fucking douche. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to give him any star star shine, yeah. more than it's already given. But I think to end this podcast on a more uplifting note, you're my friend. I like I said, I look up to when it comes to MMA. So this weekend we got a big card in Vegas coming up. Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee. What are your thoughts on that? I hate Tony Ferguson. <laughs> I've always disliked him. Something about him, and I've met him. You met him? I met him all. You know, I've met him all. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy in person. 
So it's hard for me to say that I just don't like them because I think that means more to me how they treat you, how they treat people, it means more than a lot of other things. But I just don't fucking like that guy. <laughs> and then that video of him and Verdum. Oh. And then him telling Verdum, he he called Verdum a name in Spanish, and then Verdum told him. A mighty con. Yeah, Verdum <laughs> told him, "Don't talk to me. I'm not that guy." In Spanish, and then he's like, "I don't understand what you're saying." You piece of fucking shit. You fucking do exactly what he's saying. You fucking puss wuss. Yeah. Don't sit there and fucking pretend like you, <laughs> didn't, like you don't know what he just said when you were just speaking Spanish 15 seconds ago. <laughs> you didn't understand that he was telling you in Spanish, quit being, don't, don't fuck with me. I'm not one of those guys. I'm a real one. Like, yeah. let him know I'm a real one. Don't fucking talk to me like that. And then all of a sudden, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. I think so, too. Kevin Lee's not that good. No. Um, Kevin if, Lee's middle of the pack. Tony Ferguson... At worst, is a gatekeeper. At best, he's he's a contender. But Kevin Lee's middle of the pack, run of the mill. Yeah. Whatever ranking they give him, it should add six to it. That's what, <laughs> that's what it should be because he's not that good. Michael Chiesa was beating him, and then he caught him, and then Chiesa didn't even tap. So yeah, his he's he's a he's wanted to be Conor McGregor, and it's kind of annoying because you can't really fake that kind of confidence. You either have it or you don't. Yeah. And Conor. Connor really does have it. He really does believe everything he says. Oh yeah, and he makes you believe. Yeah. Well, I still don't believe him, but I do. But he's super. He's, <laughs> I know. the times that I met. I like him. your, uh, I like your uh, Diaz brothers. Uh, yeah. Well, sure. the time I met him, he was super nice to me. Yeah. So that again, that goes a lot a long way for me. So if you're nice to, if you, I, I'm a little bit of a fan of his, as long as he's not fighting Nate Diaz like that, <laughs> that or uh, that. Uh, I saw Frank, that the, uh, not the Eddie Alvarez fight uh, yeah. I was like he's gonna work Eddie I knew like Eddie Alvarez isn't good he he had a he had a he had a lucky fight where he won the title but he's not good I knew Conor McGregor was gonna work him and I said it and I told everyone and then they're like oh you're a Conor McGregor fan I was like no I'm telling you what I know is gonna happen like yeah. Conor's gonna fucking work that guy and that's exactly what he did oh yeah and, and it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> so what do you see uh because I, I like I like where this is going. I want to like I said I want to end this on a positive note. So where do you see that division going? The lightweight division. Do you think if Ferguson wins, does Conor come back and fight Ferguson, or does no. he go? Uh, uh, does the rubber match rubber match with? He's gonna uh, do the rubber match. The rubber match is gonna be the first thing with Nate. That's, and then if he does fight again, which he's probably the best grappler in that division, and if if he gets his hands on you, you're going down for who you are. And you can be Conor McGregor. You can be Nate Diaz. The fucking Khabib. Gets, gets his hands on you, you're going down. He's taking you to the mat, and then now you're in his world. Unless you're Nate Diaz and you have fucking slick-ass jiu-jitsu, which I, I know my boy Nate Diaz has slick-ass jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so, but if, if Connor gets, if he gets his hands on Connor, which is a big if because Connor has a huge reach and he knows that he's got a great understanding of spacing and movement and angles. So Khabib has to get his hands on him to win that fight. So if he can't, and Connor can knock his ass out. He has the power to knock him out, especially because Khabib gets hurt all the time. Yeah. So if they ever do fight, Khabib's probably going to be hurt. Yeah. Because he's not. Or sick. Him. No, he's going to he's going to be hurt because he's not going to back down from a title fight with Connor McGregor and the kind of money that that's going to bring. So if he ever does fight and he does get hurt during training, he's not going to he's not going to miss the fight. Yeah. So he's going to go in there hurt, which is going to hurt him even more because he he doesn't have the doesn't have the footwork or the stand up to to really get to Connor enough to take him down. Especially the way Connor moves. Connor's footwork is phenomenal. Probably the best in the division. Probably the best in any of those three divisions. His footwork is just phenomenal. And he, he knows his understanding of spacing is great. And his understanding of, of his of his reach, 
he knows exactly when you're at the end of his punch. So he, he doesn't really waste a lot of energy, which is good because he has no gas tank. <laughs> so he can't afford to waste energy. Yeah. But yeah, Connor against Khabib, I think, would be interesting, but I think it would also be short. Yeah. So either he knocks him out quick or Khabib takes him in the distance. No. Because well, Connor can't go the distance. And uh, I think if that Diaz, the, the Diaz Connor fight runs back, that's going to be interesting because Con- Connor's not a dumb guy. So he's going to change his game plan. And Nate's not going to de- change his game plan because he's a stubborn son of a bitch. Yeah. So it kind of reflects, it kind of just depends on what Connor does. Now, if Connor thinks that he's going to tap out Nate Diaz, if he's arrogant enough to believe, you know what, for the rubber match, I'm going to tap him out. I hope he doesn't think that. It's he's he's in a world of disappointment. Now, if he thinks he can knock him out, he's also in a world of disappointment. He can't knock him out. Well, he said it best. He's like Homer Simpson in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps just a punching bag. He so keeps going around and around. If his plan is to outscore him, then yeah, he can outscore him. Because Nate doesn't even care about scoring. He don't give a fuck about scoring. Scoring is not in his mind when he's fighting. So. That fight happens, which I think that fight's going to happen. It just really depends on what Conor McGregor does. If Conor wants to score and win, Conor can score and win. If Conor does anything else, he's probably going to lose. What do you think about this? The rumor going around is if GSP beats Michael Bisping, he's going to call McGregor as well. What do you think about that fight? GSP, That's a circus. That's like not even a real fight. so fucking big. He's got the fucking back of a silverback. And, I mean, I don't care what weight class he fights at. He walks around a solid 220. Wow. <laughs> this guy's a huge man. Not height-wise. Height-wise, I think they're pretty close. But just mass beats Olympic wrestlers. To be that high level, you have to be so fucking strong grip-wise. And so fucking strong in the clinch that Nate probably never try to break someone a wrist lock from a man whose hands will not come apart once yeah. they're locked. So he he's gonna it's not gonna work. Well I mean he can he can knock out GSP. GSP can get me knocked out. GSP yeah. can be knocked out and his face is made of fucking cotton. <laughs> so he can make a mess of him. Yeah. That 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 can happen. It goes back to that Khabib theory. It'll be yeah. either a knockout or a tap out. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe GSP became a striker. I don't know. That Superman punch is always beautiful to see. <laughs> it's completely useless, but it's so nice, it's so pretty to see. And I, I just I miss the Superman punch. I can't wait until you can bring That's it. That's why back. you gotta watch wrestling, dude. There's uh, a guy named Roman Reigns that does it every uh, day, night. Come on, man. <laughs> We're talking about real sports. Don't hit me with the wrestling. I have to, man. Uh, CM Punk conversation over. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. How you feel about Mickey Gall? Uh. He's all right. He's a little bit too much cockiness to him, but he's got some. I mean, a black, a brown belt in, in Gracie is pretty much a black belt. So he's got that up for him, going for him. He's got a good build. He's long, he's lean, so he can make the lighter weight classes. And he, and if he knows how to use that, that that length, then he can go far. But it doesn't look like he's really tapped into that yet. No. He has a, a very perfect build for the lighter weight classes. The long build goes a long way because. <laughs> You can't. People can't get in on you. So now you do. You dictate where the fight goes. People can shoot in all you want. You have those long arms. You sprawl. They're not taking you down. Well, it's like Brock when he uh, fought Mark, Mark Hunt. He just kept him at bay yeah. the whole time. Because yeah, you and Brock has a freakishly long reach. 
Um, so it, it's if you know how to use your length, then John Jones. John Jones is a master of <laughs> Yeah, greatest fighter we'll ever see. And that's what sucks about this latest drug pop I is I was true. wanting him to go down as the greatest UFC fighter. Yeah, because when you think about it, he's never been beat. Yeah, he yeah. has that that. That disqualification for he was the, the bullshit 12 6 elbows against Mark, Mark Hamill, which and he threw two of them, and Hamill's already done. The fight should have been called before that. But since Cat Hamill couldn't continue because he already lost, it was a fucking loss. So. Yeah, but yeah, so technically he's still undefeated. I believe that um, that Jones took that uh, that substance or whatever. I, I don't, it just it seems unla- unlikely. The conspiracy, no, I. I John Jones threw that out there, conspiracy, that maybe the tester fucking sprinkled some shit in there. Because the last time he got popped, it wasn't for anything like heavy duty. He it was like for some dick pills, you know? Dick pills. A lot of people get p- some- popped with dick pills, surprisingly. Like, I can think of four fighters who've got popped for dick pills, which it actually makes sense because it's fucking full of testosterone. Yeah. That's really, so, but that also goes back to that theory that John Jones was on it, and that's why he's impotent. Oh. Ooh. He could have been on it, and that's why he's impotent. Because he's oh, okay. too young of a man to be impotent. Think yeah, about he's it. younger than I am. Yeah, he's a fucking world class athlete. Yep. So impotency happens to Jason. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So Uberim. Yeah. <laughs> fucking that guy who who once fought at two hundred five and struggles to to make weight at two sixty five. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone juiced. I really do. Everyone juiced. But, you know, obviously some people, some people did better with it. Christine Cyborg looks like a man. And I'm, I, I, I met her, and I almost... Nice to meet you. Because she's, she's fucking intimidating. And super nice. Great ass. Great ass. I mean, probably the best in the division. And, and people don't sleep on that. But she's in phenomenal shape, so she's great ass. But yeah, I met her at the uh, the Biltmore. I got no there. comment. Uh-huh. I feel like I'd be telling this guy he's got a nice butt. But yeah, if you had a nice butt, why wouldn't you comment on that? That's true. Okay. Checkmate. I, <laughs> I do. I actually. Didn't, I didn't get a chance to see you on the way in. No, so. you're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I could see where someone would um, maybe maybe taint a sample. I don't know. Yeah. Why not? It's like people do stupid shit. Yeah. All the fucking time. So he could be a John Jones hater and just saw an opportunity. Well, you think about it, the new owners, they're looking for superstars. And then when they look at John Jones, maybe they don't see that. They just see a distractor. The new owners are idiots if they don't think that. Yeah. He's the best. Oh, I agree, yeah, but. He's, he's the best that's ever fucking stepped in the octagon. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, because I, I put him against, above Anderson, and that's hard for me to say because Anderson is. Anderson is was the goat to me fucking my whole life that I've been following him away, I thought he was the goat and then um, I still think he's fucking amazing the, the, the first time I met him is the only time I've ever been starstruck in my life really and I've met everyone you can think of in MMA I've met professional basketball players football players I've met Oscar winning actors damn and when I met Anderson Silva, I fucking froze. <laughs> I was at his gym in Torrance, and it was me oh, and my shit. buddy David. And we were we bought something, but we were lingering because we heard he was coming in. So I'm talking to the receptionist, and she we buy like a hat, a, a hat, some stickers, and some other stuff. And we're talking, and I'm like, you know, is he going to be in today? She's like, yeah, he's got a class at 11, so he actually should already be here. And so we're talking about something. We're literally mid-conversation with this girl. 
and he opens the door and I, I'm seeing something. I don't even remember what it was and I completely stopped talking. Did he have an aura like Rick James? He walked in like the president of the United States. <laughs> Which he, president? Whichever one you like. <laughs> he walked in and, he, and without even missing a beat, he saw us and he says, good morning. And he shook our hand Damn. and just kept walking. And we were just like, shit he was just like you'll be surprised how often that happens with my dad and I'm just like your dad <laughs> your dad your your Andy Silver's, Silver's daughter yeah that was starstruck by that guy so that's how how high highly I think of him I, I, I wasn't starstruck with John I was pretty drunk the first time I met John <laughs> so I wasn't starstruck with him and then I've met him a handful of times since then He's a nice guy in person, too. Yeah. He was a real dickhead in person. He's Daniel Cormier. Really? Yeah. Especially if he's cutting. Like he's oh, okay. Dickhead. And then, um, I mean, I've, I've met him like five times and like three other times he's a dickhead. Wow. Yeah. King Velasquez, super nice, which is super scary because he's so dangerous. Yeah. And he's so soft-spoken <laughs> and he'll just talk to me. He's just like, man, you could kill me. <laughs> you, could, you could kill me in eight seconds and, and, and still have enough time to hide the body. <laughs> so, but yeah those those guys those guys are great uh, Frankie Edgar is super fucking awesome See, Frankie Edgar looks like a gentleman Frankie Edgar is such a fucking great he's guy he's the kind of guy who would open the door for you yeah, or... <laughs> yeah he would who, I'm trying to think of all the super cool guys like Frankie fucking Skeletor and I was like I can get a picture he's like yeah he's like super tiny he, could take <laughs> six he didn't care like he didn't care that's like the worst time to meet someone is when they're cutting weight yeah in, in the MMA community so he was probably he's probably the nicest guy I've met cutting weight him and then probably uh, Tim Kennedy Tim Kennedy was so nice he had just weighed in and I caught him in the lobby of the MGM Grant and he had a fucking like one of those $25 cupcakes <laughs> like you know those fucking yeah. super amazing cupcakes he had it in his hand and I was on the phone with my friend who's who's a super fan of his and I walk up to him and I'm like Tim Kennedy talk to my friend <laughs> and he takes the phone and he's like hey how's it going and, and then next to the guy I was like hey bro can you take a picture of this like can you take a picture of him because I had like a I had a Hennessy case so you can so you, so I was like can you take a picture of him on, on my phone so she so she would believe me he goes yeah no problem takes a picture I was like just text it to me so he talks to her for a little bit and then he goes alright so I'm going to give you back to your beautiful friend because I need to go eat. Hands <laughs> me back the phone, and then he stops to take a picture with me, and then and he goes back and probably destroys that cupcake. And that was a that was actually that fight with Yul Romero. Oh, really? That was that that was that that wow. fight that that. And I was I, I was in attendance at that fight, and I thought it was over when Yul didn't get up. I was like, it's over. He did it. He did it. Wait, what? What do you mean? Like, oh man. And then he gets knocked out. Yeah. Sorry. I'm a huge Tim Kennedy fan. Huge Tim Kennedy fan. What about Misha Tate? Did you meet her? Oh yeah, Misha Tate's sweetheart. It's Cupcake. When, when, when Caraway's not by her. Oh, okay. So when Caraway's by her, you have to stand by her and take a picture. When Caraway's not around, Ooh. she's all give you a big old hug. Oh, oh man, huh? where's... <laughs> but, Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan, yeah. <laughs> she's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. But again, when Caraway's not around, when Caraway's around, she, Caraway's a dickhead. Caraway's such a fucking dickhead. I'm glad they broke up. But uh, she deserved better. Yeah. <laughs> when I the first time I met her, I had a glove and I was waiting for I had to wait for anyone that I wanted signed. So let me ask you this: Where do you meet all these folks at? 
They're, just in the MGM Grand? They stay at the MGM Grand. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. The UFC puts them all up in the, UF, in the MGM Grand. Dude, my friend was trying to tell me they stay at, like, the Palace Station or some shit like that. Cause that's we're, the, the, the cheap fights. They keep them there. Oh, okay. The, the FX fights and yeah, the fucking FS1. Because the, the, the Fertitas used to own, or own the station, the Palace Station casinos. Oh, okay. So they used, back in the day, like, in the cheaper fights, they will. But, like, you know, the big fights, MGM Grand or um, the MGM Signature, which is, I guess, behind it. But oh, okay, those towers. Yeah. yeah so that's where they put them all at. I, okay. I rode an elevator with John Jones on the, at the MGM Grand. I just I happened to be, the only time I've ever stayed with the MGM Grand. And you just, like, like it's, do you plan it? Like, do you know where to be? I can see them. I can see, like... I, I, I see him from a mile away. Like, oh shit, there's Damn. Robbie Lawler. There's Robbie Lawler. I guess I gotta go to Vegas more often. Well, we're gonna wait a while, but <laughs> next time you go, dude, I'm down for that. Because I've been yeah. telling this guy when we went to the uh, McGregor Mayweather fight, there's nothing like fight weekend in, in oh, Vegas. Man. Especially McGregor. Those fucking Irishmen are out dude, of control. I don't tell you yeah, fucking what. They, they were trying to, like, there were some uh, money team fans or whatever. I mean, there was like four of them. Oh. But they were trying to start shit with the Irish, and the Irish are like on a whole goddamn yeah, different they're level. Insane. They're insane. They they go up to him. This like five foot eight, like pale skin ass fucking white boy goes up to this six foot six black dude and this like four hundred pound like Mexican dude. He goes, "What'd you say to me, pal? You get over here. You gotta tell me that to me." Yeah, and he, he's he, he's he's calling him down. He's like, "Come here, no, come here. You you say that from over there. You gonna tell me right now to my to me face?" And he gets him like this far to his face, and he goes, "Closer, come on, closer." And he gives him like a big ass kiss on the face, and he goes, oh, "I love the atmosphere." And he buys it. He gives him like a beer, and it's just like that is the craziest shit ever. Like yeah, fucking Irish crazy. fans are insane, dude. I was there for the Dustin Poirier, and uh, but I, I was going for Poirier because I, I, <laughs> I at the time I thought the talk was fake. You know, I thought he was just talking himself. Yeah, that's just really that's just him. Um, and so I remember, uh, I remember. Uh, Poirier came out to like Diamonds Are Forever. Oh yeah. And I was in the crowd like, yeah, throwing up the rock, like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And then fucking Connor comes out and he has and I think that was the first time he did that little Celtic thing and then dropped Notorious. Yeah. No, no, yeah, so no, you hear Connor, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, oh it's Connor. It's Con- that's his music. And I know you're dropping, I'm like, dude, that was pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty dope. That was yeah. that was a dope ass entrance. And then he goes out there and he clubs from behind the head. It's, I mean it's behind the ear, but still it's legal. Yeah. So, for now. I don't I don't like that. That if you clip them while they're facing you behind the ear, it's legal. I don't like that. Because people with long arms can do that. I can I can fucking know how I can learn how to do that. If you go in and throw a shovel hook, which is a super hard punch. Yeah. You could fucking figure out how to throw a, a looping hook to catch them right behind it's the It's like head. a tether ball almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's so you can these guys are masters of their bodies. They they can teach themselves to fucking catch someone behind the ear and make it look like it wasn't. So uh, you can also kick someone behind the ear if they're standing behind in front of you. Really? Like if you wrap the head around and the foot around right here, that's a fucking kill shot right there. That's a long ass foot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what that means. Fucking that's isn't that where fucking uh, Jones caught DC? Yeah, actually, right yeah, there. <laughs> right there. And you're not supposed to be hit there at all. So you get hit there with the foot, you're down, you're done. Fuck that. Juice or not, John, Jones, you're going down. Jones is better than DC. Juice oh yeah, that'll always be the guy. DC's so boring to watch, man. Dude, DC is such an Uncle Tom. <laughs> and and I, I I wanna like him because he's an Olympian and he's a wrestler. He does everything right, but yeah, there's such that something. He just he just he just screams Uncle Tom. 
it just it just bothers me like be real bro I hear you grew up in this, probably in fucking Oklahoma or something like that but come on man <laughs> boomer sooner I don't know uh, <laughs> I'm a hypocrite because I love cowboy truck <laughs> so uh, take whatever I say dude they went to a country music festival for three days oh man it was so good you know here's the thing about countries you guys should give it a shot because I grew up not liking country. I, I didn't get into country until I was in high school. So I grew up listening to fucking gangster rap and hip hop. Right here, baby. My whole fucking life. I grew up listening to fucking Tupac, Nate Dogg, uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg's The Dog Pound was like the first CD I ever owned. Like, I can fucking tell you every word of gin and juice. Like, fucking, I grew up on gangster rap. Coolio's Gangster Paradise. <laughs> Fuck, man. I remember all that shit. And then in high school, yeah, you know, I, I, I learned how to play the piano because I already knew how to read sheet. And I learned how to play the piano. My buddy, Dan, says, I just can't understand how you don't like country. You're, you're, you're musically inclined. You play an instrument for shit's sake. You know how to read music. You should like country. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, I don't have the right song. He goes, you know what? Let me, let me burn you a CD. This is how old it was. We're burning each other's CD. <laughs> let me burn you a CD of songs that I think you'll like. I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll give it a shot. So he burns me a CD, and it's a lot of piano-heavy country songs. And the first song, first country song I knew I, would, I liked was Garth Brooks' The Dance. And I was just like, that that piano solo, and I'm just like, wow, that's good. And then it started listening. I was like, man, that's a good song. I'm like, okay, what's the next song? And then I think it was Paint Me a Birmingham, and it's all piano. I'm like, okay, that's, that's nice. And then he, he 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 planned this shit out nice because I'm going down Put the list. Put some thought in that shit. Yeah, I'm going down the list, and he and the songs start drifting away from piano, but more into great stories. So eventually, you get to "Don't Take the Girl" by Tim McGraw, "Traveling Soldier" by Dixie Chicks, I'm lost "Three already. Wooden Crosses," and I'm just <laughs> like, man, these are fucking amazing stories in a song. Like amazing stories. Like you think Slick Ricks fucking a storyteller you should listen to some of these songs beginning to end and, and figure out what like it's a story the dance fuck man three wooden crosses three wooden crosses is about a bus crash that has a preacher a teacher a hooker and the bus driver they all they all they all died except for the hooker oh wow and the preacher gives the hooker his bible as he's dying and then the hooker raises her son, and her son grows up to be a pastor. So the reason I brought that up is because when I was at that country festival, you could tell a lot of these country guys, these younger country guys, not the older ones like um, at church, um, but you can tell a lot of these younger guys have a lot of hip-hop influence. Like they listen to hip-hop. They dress like fucking hip-hop guys. Did you see that snap of... That I, I took of uh, Brett Young. I probably did. I should know who Brett it was. Brett Young was wearing camo pants with matching Air Maxes, <laughs> a black tank top, and was tatted the fuck up. And he was just like jumping up on stage. I was like, what the fuck? This fool looks like fucking a thug. I love it. I would fucking rock the shit out of that outfit. <laughs> thug ass fucking Brett Young. And then Sam Hunt came out and he was wearing pretty much the closest. Army fucking pants, uh, black fucking Nikes, and a fucking black Under Armour. 
and he's in pretty good shape. So he's running, and then he takes his hat off, and he's got like a fucking dope ass uh, faux hawk fade going on, and he's up on stage jamming like he's I got a, like a hip hop show. And then Jason Aldean has a lot of hip hop influence. He okay. he has his one song "Burning It Down" is pretty much an R and B beat, and he's singing country to it. So he himself has a lot of like it just amazed me how much crossover there was between all the artists there and hip hop because I grew up with hip hop and I'm not yeah. sure if the, it's great that they that hip hop influences them as country artists that's good to hear then yeah because yeah. from mean, my but I mean both are like strong in the south like they're working man music, music they are country music yeah. and hip hop very strong in the south yeah. you know so I could see how that's how much it was I knew Jason Aldean has I mean I've listened to, I listened enough to his music that I know he has a hip hop influence to his um, Dirt Road Anthem he's rapping in it um, I think that's why like someone like Taylor Swift like they went from being like a cute little country singer to now she's like pop star pop star or whatever like that transition was so like seamless it was seamless to her because to be a good country artist you have to be a good songwriter and, and Taylor Swift's one of the few people that write their own music so she what she took from country was the fact that she could just write a good ass fucking song and she could write a catchy ass hook and there's nothing catchier than pop when it yeah. comes to hook so that's where that's where Taylor Swift thrives is that she she already knew how to be a good songwriter before she jumped into pop. Now all you need is a synthesized beat and a catchy hook. Yeah. And she already knows how to do the catchy hook, so she doesn't need anyone's help. So she she's a she's a good songwriter. And then that's another great thing about country music is they all write for each other. That's good. Yeah. So they'll write a song and be like, you know what, this song probably isn't best for me to cease to sing. So let me, <laughs> let me let me hit up Jacob and be like, hey Jacob, you know what, I wrote this song for myself, but I think it would sound better if you sang it. Rappers don't do that shit. No. Yeah. They ghostwrite and they fucking and then they'll ghostwrite until they become their own rappers. Yeah. Or and shit like that. But yeah, countries they're fucking. I'm telling you, there's a reason I love it. It's it's a good genre to to be. Whole to, new world. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's, it's a good genre to be into. I'm telling you, the festival is just. I mean, obviously majority white, but everyone. I mean, I'm big Mexican. They fucking treated me just fine. Nothing. That's cool. Not not one moment where I didn't feel welcome in that entire festival. Except for Friday night, I was too drunk. But <laughs> I was super drunk Friday, and then like progressively got less drunker throughout the night, the weekend. But yeah, Friday night was a pretty drunk night. But man, that that was a great. I mean, it was it was on the verge of probably being my best weekend in Vegas because because of the fucking bachelor activities plus 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 the fucking show plus all the great acts I wanted to see and I got to see and yeah. and they put on good shows. And they sounded good. That's another thing about country music. Is they sound great. They sound good live, and I've been to a lot of rap shows. And they sound oh, like fuck. shit. Yeah, rap shows are the worst shows to go to. Like. It sounds like dog shows, and they sound like shit too. So it's just you gotta like, see Metallica though. That's the oh, best. Metallica, come on, like they're obviously gonna sound great. They're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna go to fucking thirty years. So yeah, they're yeah. gonna sound great. But anyways, yeah. So let's 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 plan this, man. When you're ready, and I've been trying to get this guy to go to Vegas for a while. I think we all need to take like a UFC Vegas trip. I'll do that. I'm I know. Of, I know you'll do I'm that. I'm going to that UFC fight in Fresno. I know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cub Swanson's going to be the main event. Cub. Cub and who? Cub and someone with a Mexican. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> we should definitely do a Rivera, UFC Eric podcast. Rivera, some shit like that. Eric Rivera, some something Rivera, Michael Rivera, some shit like that. Shit, I'm down for that too. Yeah, man. I, I would. Uh, I could talk all day about MMA. Matter of fact, you said you were going to start an MMA podcast. I, right? I, I thought about starting a podcast. Um, 
If not, you can just contribute to this one. It would be either MMA or just sports in general. (laughs) Wink, 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 wink. Hey, why are you elbowing me? (laughs) (laughs) That's not my elbow. (laughs) (laughs) Time to go. (laughs) Well, that said, you got anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? No, I mean, all I can really say is is about the the whole Harvest Fest thing is, 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 I mean, if you can plan, if you can take classes if you can learn anything from this huge tragedy is to just to 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 be more prepared um i won't go too deep into it but i mentioned tim kennedy earlier he's a huge i'm a huge fan of everything he does he's an mma fighter he's an army veteran uh, sheepdog response where he urges anyone ex-military anyone to always be prepared to 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 prepare yourself not just mentally but physically work out and uh, one thing he always says is 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 you know people work out to look good he wants to work out so that if he ever finds himself in a position where he has to fight for his life that he's going to be 100 percent prepared and that's what i think about when i work out i don't do it to look good i, I want to be able to run fast because i might need to run fast I want to be able strong because I might need to pick someone up. Um, you know, I want to have good cardio because I might need to run for a while. So, I, 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 I would say, you know, his influence and his sheepdog response prepared me as much as I would probably could be for what happened because I, I was able to run at you know, sprint in in a in a second. And if you think about it, when was the last time you sprinted? It's been a while. I sprint every time I run. I'll run and then I'll go down and I'll do a couple 40-yard sprints. Just in the event, literally in my head thinking in case I ever need to run wow. from something crazy. Like, you just changed my whole workout yeah. routine right now. <laughs> right? I don't need I don't need to be I don't need to have big arms to be strong. I need to be strong so I can pull something or pull someone or help a 300-pound guy jump a fucking fence. Yeah. Stuff like that Tim Kennedy and, and his sheepdog resp- uh, response uh, Facebook has always has always influenced me. So I don't know if you know this, Jacob, but I recently lost like 70 pounds in the last two years. And uh, it was an accident at first. I lost- <laughs> Did you get diarrhea really bad? <laughs> no, or what? I was up to 293 pounds. Wow. 293. And uh, I always joke around and say I was a buffet away from the 300 pounds up. <laughs> and... So Not I started real. losing weight. I started losing weight accidentally. I was cramping a lot, a lot at night, and uh, so I was like, "Man, I think I drink enough water." So I googled it. How much water should I be drinking? And for my weight, I was supposed to be drinking a gallon and a half. Boy. And I was nowhere near that. And I was just like, "Okay, well, fuck it. Try it, man. I'm tired of cramping up at night. My legs fucking cramp up all the time at night." So I started drinking a gallon a day. And at first, it was. Very difficult. I was peeing 15 times a day. Just, and it was, it was a struggle. And then eventually, I, like after a couple of weeks, I got over the peeing thing. And I was like, okay, I, I feel better. My joints don't hurt as much. I have a lot of mileage on me from sports. My, sh- my shoulders didn't hurt as much. My elbow, my hips didn't hurt as much. Um, I had more energy. Everything was good. And then before you know it, I was 30 pounds down and I was 260. Hell yeah. And everyone's like, you look good. And I was like, yeah. 
I really haven't been trying to lose weight, but <laughs> I'll take it. Fuck, I need that magic. So, so then I was just like, you know what? You you got the snowball going. Let's just eat a little bit better. So now another byproduct of drinking the water as much water as I did, as I got full faster. So what I was doing to get to two ninety three was I was overeating. I was over, I would go to Burger King and I'd order a number seven, and then I'd order like two things on the side, <laughs> and I'd eat it all. And then I'd do it again for dinner. So I was overeating. And so the water taught me not to overeat. I would get full. I would, I would order a, a combo and finish half of it. And so that helped. So now I'm, I went from 260 down to like 240 because of that. And I'm like, okay, well, again, people are noticing. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, it's time to actually get back in the fucking gym. So I started running. And running got me back down to like... 220, 215, and I don't like that. I looked skinny, I didn't like that. So I was like, okay, time to hit the weights. So I started hitting the weights, and I do what everyone else does. I'm like, okay, I want to get bigger arms, and I want my triceps to look big, and I want, I want my chest to move when I flex. I wanted that shit, and I, I remember Tim Kennedy's, was, I, I somehow stumbled upon that sheepdog response, and I saw his videos, and he's fucking getting it. He's fucking, and he, but he's doing raw power workout. No power. And I'm thinking, well, what's the significance of that? Because he's not fighting anymore. And he explains it. It's if he, if he ever finds himself in a situation where he has to fight for his life, he's going to be ready. So it's just be ready. So I've been doing dumbbell workouts. And I'm again, I'm not trying to look better. I just want to be as strong as I can without putting on too much weight because then the weight, then you're going to get to the point of diminishing returns and you're going to be too heavy to even run. Yep. So I'm happy where I'm at right now. I'm at two, just under 230 and I don't really want to get any bigger, but I definitely don't want to get any louder because I kind of look skinny then. But yeah, that was all all because of uh, you know Tim Kennedy, that, that what he says and what he does and what he preaches, it resonated with me. You know, I, uh, I, was, I was a strong guy when I lifted weights. I was a very strong guy. And I was I was I was built a little tougher because I wouldn't get hurt a lot. You know, I wouldn't break bones easily. I I had a high pain tolerance. And I thought that would be, you know, and at the time I was like, that's cause perfect because I, I was meant to play sports. Yeah. It's it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's meant to, to be a protector. To be a protector of the people that I care about. To be a protector in the event that I need to be a protector. Mm -hmm. To 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 help people. I don't know. But or even deflect people away. Yeah. So I, I'm constantly in, in a state of, if I'm with someone, I, I just, I, I'm in my head. If anything happens, know what to do. Know what happens. Know who, where, know your exits. Um, Especially this day and age. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it was, it was a, lot, a lot of what happened that night. I believe they have their own um, podcast now. Oh. The Sheepdog Response Podcast. Fuck, hold on. Let me write that down. <laughs> right. And then he has Plug. their own Facebook. They're 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 fucking awesome, and they they go around. And they teach seminars, and if you are if you are already pre, if you're military, they'll show you gun gun techniques and things like that. Stuff I'm not too yet. You know, I wouldn't say I'm a sheepdog, but I definitely want to be a sheepdog in training. Um, so I can, if anything happens, I can protect myself and the people I'm with, the people I care about. This guy is such a fucking certified badass. I don't know if you guys know, guys. He is such a badass. While he was fighting, ISIS started putting together credible threats 
to the point where the FBI calls Tim Kennedy at home and says, oh, I remember hearing something Tim about that. Tim Kennedy, we're calling you because we have reason to believe that ISIS is planning an attack on you. And his resp- response was, let them come. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this man, this man is everything I would love to be. So he, he loves twenty five dollar cupcakes. He fucking <laughs> especially after you cut weight, uh, he loves some twenty five dollar cupcakes. But yeah, Tim Tim Kennedy is the man. I've actually was putting together a nice email to send him, but I just haven't got around to finishing it. Do it, man. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot him an email. Just thank him. Because a lot of everything that I see on, I watch his videos, and you know, I think about what he says. He says amazing. I mean, the first part I listened to the first first podcast he did, and just the stuff that he says, it's just it's, it's obvious that he's a leader among men. I remember one thing that stuck with me that he said. He said, "There's a lot of freedom on the other side of hard work," and and then he said he went on to say. You know, what, what, what doesn't, you know, we're not all inherently good or bad men. What makes a man a, a man a good man is choosing the hard, easy, over the, um, or no, the hard, the hard right over the easy wrong. Instead of doing what's easy, do what, do what's, if it's harder, it's probably, it's probably better. So it's, it's, it's about making the decision to do the, the hard rights over the hard right things over the easy wrong things and that that's in anything in discipline in anything yeah in, in, in discipline he said at that point in time he's talking about discipline about you know no one wants to work out <laughs> no one wants to work out and, and you're, you're in your you got your go last bed. you got your last set going you know and you cut it short yeah you know, I just I'm not feeling it no you do the hard right decision instead of the easy wrong it's easy to say you know what I'm not going to easy wrong this uh, this man, this is how much he's influenced me that I can directly quote him. So, yeah, it's shit like that. It's just you can't, because you can never be prepared. Too prepared. You can never be the right amount of prepared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you can be prepared, then then do it. And so, that's. I mean, I I just really wish, cause you know. You, no one knows what you're going to do when you're in that situation. You don't. Nobody. No. no, but if you mentally prepare yourself, then you might get out of there pretty good. What you did. Yeah. Well, I mean, God. that and Mark being with me. I probably would have ran with the crowd, and I don't think anything bad would happen if I ran with the crowd because there wasn't a second shooter. Yeah. But it could have been, and I could have been. You didn't know that. And I would have been wrong. Yeah. So he, 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 he's a sheepdog. Mark's a sheepdog for sure. And, uh, you know, I just look up to guys like Mark and guys like Tim Kennedy, who is still active duty military, by the wow. way. That's some steep A shit right there. Dude, that, guy, <laughs> that guy is the probably the most certified badass I can think of. Like, he's an MMA fighter. He's a w, I think he's a WEC champion. He's a light heavyweight champion at WEC. He fucking, he had Yoel Romero beat. Which is not an easy task. No, he did. So he's a history buff. So that's fucking awesome. He's, it is a little good history. I have to it. look him up more. Oh up. man, yeah. absolutely. See, see, if this, if we can take anything away from this conversation between us, I don't even care about the podcast listeners. Sorry, <laughs> sorry out. if that hurts. Fuck them. These men Fine. at these tables. There's like two of them anyway. If the men at this table can take anything away, it's, it's to to look up Tim Kennedy and try. It's like actually like making me like rethink a lot of things. Like, 
because at the same time when you're doing that you're still bettering yourself you know yeah yeah you're bettering yourself and you're not going to hurt yourself by working out for no for that purpose you're not going to hurt yourself in fact you're probably going to you're probably going to see the results you wanted anyways and it's a positive change in your and life a positive change and then you know learning basic first aid never going to hurt you no stuff like that survival instinct it will never hurt you to know that so you're bettering yourself and at the same time you're you're making yourself prepared in the event that if you ever have to you ever have to fucking do anything like that well with that said I never know how to end these goddamn uh, things with last two last two episodes we've been saying well you we could suck on that because I guess the last blah, guest blah, 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 blah. what is what is what is yeah, or fucking Porky Pig. I don't know, but and that's the bottom line. Cause Jesus said so. There's is there a song that you wanted us to play? I feel like it yeah. has to be a country song, and it has to. Be. Why? The only one I know is that. Why don't you stay? First of all, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, it only feels fitting that. The song that could have very much saved my life, Jason Aldean, coming in hot. Okay, that's what, I, that's what I was thinking, man. Um, yeah, it'd be the most appropriate thing. If it wasn't, if he plays like, it's crazy to think about it. If he plays that as his second song. So pretend like it's playing now, and then that'll like guide us out of that podcast. It better be a badass song, man. I don't want to waste my gig on that. Okay. Well, that said, everybody.